classes in session. 16 classes in session. Today, you just get me by myself. And today, I'm going to do something a little bit different, differently. Sometimes I never put the L-Y in a word. A little differently today. Um, it's really important to me, and I thought I would share it, talk it through with you, see what you guys have to say. Maybe, maybe see if this gets put out into the world in a way where I get some sort of inspiration or connection coming back. So let's see how this rolls out, shall we? All right. Um, I live in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. And every year at the end of September, um, we honor, especially within the educational world, also in the world in general, we honor something called Truth and Reconciliation Day. Now, a lot of people outside of Canada don't know what that is, so I'm going to explain it. Our history, Canadian history with our Indigenous peoples is much like a lot of other nations. It's filled with um, fighting. It's filled with colonization. It's filled with oppression. It's filled with genocide. And within Canada, although there were deaths, Canada and our government perpetrated a much more sort of, in my opinion, insidious cultural genocide. Um, rather than waging a direct war. Uh, When we became a nation, and before we became a nation, we relied heavily, and I mean heavily. I mean, there would be no such thing as French settlers. There'd be no such thing as British settlers had it not been for the alliances made with Indigenous peoples and for the lessons and survival techniques that they then taught us. Um, unfortunately, what we did with that is many leveled. And I'm not going to go into a huge history lesson. I think I need to go into a small one. The French and the English decided to fight over this land, where, by the way, there were approximately already 300,000 indigenous people of many different nations living here. And when the French and the English got here, they fought over the land. Of course they did. And so they chose allies, indigenous allies, in order to bolster their side, both of whom made promises um, to their allies in order to take care of them if and when they won. Fast forward a little bit, not to be the uh, not not to get to the end of the story, but the British win. And when the British win, What they do is they very, very quickly um, throw out every agreement, every treaty, every contract that was made with the Indigenous peoples, both pre-war, during war, and post-war. As soon as they had their footing, as soon as they had their power, as soon as they knew where they stood, all of those contracts and all those treaties were thrown out. Now, as we progress through history, it's not nearly enough, apparently, to throw out those contracts, to create um, versions of reserves, um, to isolate, to pit one against the other, to strip them of resources and mobility rights, to change their political structure, to change their everything about them we tried to attack. And at some point, our government decided that the best way to destroy these nations, and I do say nations, a lot of people 
group, all indigenous peoples together. The best way to destroy them um, for our government was to destroy their children. And so what did they do? Well, they created residential schools. And these residential schools were built in order to house indigenous children from 6 to 16, um, hundreds of miles away from their families and their people and their language and their culture. We did this in order to sever the tie between their indigenous ancestry, their language, their families, and the children so that these children would then grow into being, quote unquote, Canadianized, liberated, whatever asinine language the government was using of the day. Horrible language was used, talking about how to civilize the savage. It's absolutely disgusting. Not a lot of these indigenous people didn't want to send their kids. So what did the government do? They took them. So make no mistake, this story starts with our government kidnapping children and forcing them into boarding school. And within these schools, within these residential schools, they systematically taught, controlled, manipulated, coerced, threatened indigenous children to cut all vestiges from their past life. For example, they would enter the school and if a, a boy would have long braided hair, they would cut it. They would change their clothes. They would immediately change their names. They would teach them either French or English. That's the language they are going to learn. And if they were caught speaking in their indigenous language, their native tongue at any given moment, they would face severe consequence. And severe consequence was a lot of physical punishment, including, but not, um, it, not, not only they would take, um, straight pins. And if you were caught speaking in your indigenous language, Cree, Mohawk, they would put a straight pin right through your tongue and make you stand there until you learned better. You weren't allowed to go see your family. You weren't allowed to speak in your native language. And what they hoped and for a good chunk of it, what they accomplished was a disconnect between these children and their families. So when they were allowed out at 16 years old and they were reunited with the family, they would have nothing in common anymore. No common language, no, no memory of culture or tradition or ritual or practice, no spirituality connection. They would be Christianized and taught. And this happened for oh, generations. Um, and by the 1960s, I guess we decided in our infinite wisdom that this wasn't okay anymore. So, so what ends up happening is they turn these schools, these residential schools over to former students. So the government no longer is in charge of enacting. But let's be honest, they turned them over to former students who were very carefully, systematically indoctrinated into believing what the government doing was right, into believing that their Canadianized version of who they were was better 
bigger, more important than anything they had before. And they started sort of enlisting and, and indoctrinating to the same. Now, again, we stopped stealing children out of their homes in that capacity. But what did that lead to? Well, it led to something called the 60s scoop. So when our government stopped taking them to boarding schools and forcing them to live there. And, and by the way, in those residential schools, I don't want to get too graphic, but we are talking about all forms of abuse, emotional, physical, sexual. We are talking of forced encounters of all kinds. We are talking about pregnancies in order to create a more uh, a, a whiter offspring of a race. That's how disgusting it got. We know this is true, by the way, because not too long ago, there was a court case in which it was very easily provable and won. But in the 60s, since the government no longer took kids out of their homes and, and took them there, they took them out in a different way. So it was called the 60s scoop. So the 60s scoop the government would use CPS, Child Protective Services, in order to go into Indigenous homes, predominantly at astronomical rates, determine that their home life wasn't good enough, wasn't safe enough, wasn't healthy enough, and take those kids out of those homes and place them with white families across the country. Um, this was just yet another way of separating children from their parents, but more importantly, destroying cultural, linguistic, spiritual ties to their family. If they can't speak to their family, if they can't connect with their family, their culture will die. If their culture dies, then all of the treaties and the promises and the contracts that were made with those peoples for generations would be null and void because they would dissipate. This is what they've hoped. And in my opinion, a lot of our government for a very long time has hoped that those nations would just cease to exist in whatever way that happened. So they are impoverished. They, they, there's areas without access to clean drinking water. We, we ensure that the land that they're living on is horrific. We, we barely give them enough sort of access to healthcare and education and traditional ways, all of that goes. So a few years ago, um, we had the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that came after this very significant civil court case in which all of the surviving members of residential schools in the 60s scoop got together in order to create a civil lawsuit in which they won. They won next to no money. Um, but they won and the amount of money they were, they were granted for having their lives, for having themselves stolen, their lives destroyed and years upon generations of violence bestowed upon them. The amount of money I would say at the most $40,000, absolutely disgusting. Abs just an embarrassment in my opinion. All of this being true, I would say in the last maybe 10 years, you've seen in Ontario Indigenous studies working its way into the Ontario curriculum, which is amazing. Absolutely amazing. 
And you see it working its way in in different capacities at different levels in most of the courses, social science courses I teach. And then you see the establishment of this day, truth and reconciliation. Some schools do big things. Some schools don't. Some businesses do things. It really depends. But every year, I feel a greater sense of obligation to do something better, more thoughtful, more expansive, more impactful than I've done the years prior. And the years prior I've done, always it involves my entire school. I don't just want the kids in social sciences to be talking about this. I want every single kid to understand this. I have a lot of kids that come to me, come to my school in grades 11 and 12. They never have to take any of my courses. They might not ever speak about Canada's Indigenous history and, and the damage and the destruction that we've caused, which means they can't be aware of what still goes on today, because I think that's incredibly important. This notion that it's a distant, it's an ancient history is absolutely ridiculous. All of that ancient history has very real life, very current, um, very future laid weight that is now put upon those communities as they struggle and they're doing it, they're doing it beautifully, but as they struggle to regain the things that were stolen. So my question becomes as a teacher, I don't teach at an indigenous school. I, to my knowledge, I don't teach any indigenous students, but to, but to educate my job, if my job is truth and reconciliation, which I believe that's to my that is my job. Indigenous ideals and 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 this issue or not. Truth and reconciliation means this. You first have to learn the lesson. We first have to talk about the uncomfortable truth. We have to put it all on the table, no matter how morbid, no matter how heavy, no matter how painful, it all needs to be laid out. Number one. And that's happening in, in a lot of ways. And I, and I want that to happen more. And I'm going to explain to you what I think I want to do with this day this year. And then there's the reconciliation part. And the reconciliation part, and I think it's having bigger and bigger meaning every year because I'm seeing in the United States, all of this pushback, not necessarily against indigenous people, but like, let's be honest, they're thrown in there too. All this pushback of like, we're not talking about this anymore. There's no more racism, all this woke mentality, and there's all this pushback. And what they're pushing back and make no mistake is on the reconciliation because they don't want to have to own it anymore. They don't want to have to be responsible for it. And I'll tell you this, I may not be responsible for what happened in 1907, but I sure as hell am responsible for what's going on right now. And that's the ramifications of 1907. So if I'm responsible for right now, if I need to reconcile that, what do I do as a teacher? What do I do, obviously, as a white person? What do I do as an individual that's not a part of that community with the access points that I have? And so what do I do with this day at Metro Prep? Well, I build it into a pretty big day. Now, last year, just to give you an, a heads up, we did a, a school-wide art piece. 
with puzzle pieces and quotes. And we had big discussions as the kids worked on this in the entirety. We talked about what it meant. We talked about the connections that needed to be made. We talked about how the indigenous community themselves, all these different nations are slowly using the puzzle piece as a metaphor, building their lives back together, drawing on pieces of their past, of their history, of their ancestry in order to build and relive. And I think it was successful. I think it was powerful. But this year I have a question. I want to do different things. But one of the things I'm really interested in doing is this. I want it to be a little bit more interactive. I've recently watched, again, um, the blue-eyed experiment of Jane Elliott, in which she teaches very young kids about racism in, in what some might say a very, very sort of harsh manner. My question is this. Do you think there'd be value, and please, anybody listening to this, I would love your opinion. Specifically, I would truly love the opinion of people in Indigenous communities of nations across Canada. I I really, I talk like this <clears throat> and I'm doing whatever I can, but I really would love as many of those Indigenous voices to be in my comments or on Twitter or wherever it is that I post this for you to give me this feedback. Um, what I want to do is a little bit of an, not an experiment, but uh, let's say a, an interactive workshop in which I will get sections of my school. We will do them in different groupings because I only can handle so many at one time. Big classrooms full of kids in which I will give them a taste, a soft taste, obviously, of what it is to be in that type of environment, to watch somebody want to erase who you are, who your connections are with, and what your culture is based on. For example, all the kids that come in, maybe I have shirts that they all have to wear. So they all look the same because it's about erasing their identity. Maybe they all have to wear hoods. Maybe I have hats for them all. I take away anything flashy. If they have jewelry, I set it aside. You can't have that here. Their cell phones, they can't have them. There's no connection to the outside world. I teach them wrong things quite purposefully. I teach them things that are counterintuitive to what they've been taught, what they have learned, what those connections are. I do it. And when they challenge me, I quiet them. I create maybe a language, maybe a written language or a verbal language that I make them buy into. And if they speak in their original language, there are consequences. Now, again, there is no way that this exercise comes even in the same hemisphere, the stratosphere of what it was like. Because there's no way I could possibly want to or ever do that. However, if I can do this in a real way, and as I'm organizing them, and as I'm putting them in their place, and as I am stripping them of every piece of identity and connection they could possibly have, and I'm teaching them the wrong thing, and I'm telling them they have to speak in this other language, and I'm amping up that kind of fervor, and then behind me, I will show images or, or video footage 
of actual residential schools, of actual interactions, of actual children who have gone through the horrificness of that cultural genocide. And I don't want to, I don't want to leave them with that, but I, I feel as though there is an aspect of trying to put yourself in somebody else's shoes that maybe that will connect to. Now, also understand this. I will explain this to the students. Not all students are going to feel comfortable doing this. That's okay. Because I will have different sections going on that day. I will still do an art piece. I will still, I think, I want to really very much include traditional music and and what that feels like and what that sounds like and some dialogue surrounding that. So I want to include these other elements. So it's not just about what happened. It's still, it's about what they're building and who they are and how powerful the Indigenous community has been through this and continues to grow and continues to be. I think it's all important. But I really would love if you and especially anybody from the indigenous community would possibly give me feedback, would possibly give me an idea, you know, um, or anybody in general. Some people might say, Joe, you're pushing it too hard, too much in the paint, too, too hard. Now recognize there will be significant limitations on the ways in which I address all of this. But I really feel as though some of the best lessons my students have ever learned is when we are deep in story. And when you are deep in story and you're engaged in this kind of, albeit acting or performative space, trying to understand what that would feel like, I believe there'll be pieces of them of of my students who will understand it on a deeper level. I also believe a lot of you guys will say, why don't you have guest speakers? Why don't you have these people come in? Listen, all of that's amazing. Um, you would, the amount of people that are booked for that day is incredible. Um, I want guest speakers, but just also understand that I will have guest speakers. And if anybody has any connection or ideas of guest speakers or people that would come in and do this as well. I I don't just do uh, Indigenous education on the last Friday of September. I do it, you know, eight months of the year, every year. So I welcome anybody who, who is an educator or is involved in the Indigenous community or would like to guest speak or has something that unique that they have to offer, please connect me, put your name in the comments. I, w- I would be more than happy to get together with you and understand that it doesn't just have to be on this day, not in any way, shape or form. I, I, will, I will rally the school around amazing people um, and, and intelligent discourse and important causes any day of the week and twice on Sunday. I don't want it to be, it's funny, I oscillate. I oscillate it between it being a heavy day of responsibility. Um, and then I and then I, I kind of go, is it too much? Is it too heavy for these kids? Is it, is it, you know? And then I recognize it's not about uplifting them on that day. 
because the art projects aren't about uplifting them. So when I do these other projects, either physical art, I do some music stuff, or I'm going to do some video stuff, all of those other things aren't about uplifting my students because my students have to carry it and understand it so they can build from it. It's about them understanding, and I think this is important for everybody, how powerful, how amazing, how how it's been impossible to commit the genocide the government wished to commit because of the strength and the resiliency of our of, of the indigenous nations across Canada. The Cree, the Mohawk, the Algonquin, Ojibwe, it all of them. They are still here. They are still proud. They are still connecting to their past and trying to pick up all of the puzzle pieces that have been shattered generations prior, building their language, building their spirituality back, building their cultural and and spiritual ties. And I want my kids to understand and respect how impressive and amazing and honorable that is within those communities. So take a minute. I hope you've heard a bit of what I've said, but I really ask of you to leave a comment below, to message me on whatever social media. If you are from an Indigenous community within, you know, the Toronto area, I would love to talk to you about speaking. I would love to to talk to you about what qualities or what ideas you could possibly bring to the table. I I am very humbly asking, do you think this idea of mine is in the realm of good? Do you think it's going too far? Do you think I want, and I speak to people at school all the time, obviously, but I'm kind of asking the community here, am I going in a good direction? Do you feel as though this is going to have an authentically powerful voice for younger generations to come. And again, I accept all of that very humbly, very respectfully. Please be honest and contact me and let me know. Thank you guys so much for this particular podcast. A little bit different. I don't ask, usually ask so much of my audience, but If you have taken time, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate your comments. And if you have anybody you can send this to so I can have more of sort of an impact or uh, an idea coming from Indigenous nations, I would be very much grateful. And until then, I will see you guys next week. Same bad time, same bad station. Dismissed.